As I said at the start of our service, we are beginning a new series that we are calling Chosen. And so I think it's only right that before we dive into the series and dive into God's word, that we allow him to prepare our hearts and our minds for the message that he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray together with me. Lord God, we give you thanks that we have begun our Lenten journey with you. And we pray that over these 40 days, we would ha- you would help us to see you in a new light with fresh eyes. Lord, we pray that as we journey with you to Jerusalem, to the cross, and ultimately to the empty tomb, we would behold you as our Savior and that you would grow us that we might look, live, and love more like you. And so this morning, as we begin a new series, we do pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the message that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we are calling this series Chosen, and our theme verse comes from this passage in John 15, verse 16, where Jesus tells his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Now, it's really important to remember the context in which Jesus said that. He spoke these words on the night in which he was betrayed. You see, he knew that in just a few hours he was going to be arrested and that the following day he would be put on trial, he would be tortured, and he would ultimately be executed by crucifixion. And as a result, these words on this last night were kind of his parting address to his disciples. These were the most important things that, they, uh, that he wanted them to know in light of everything that was about to come. And right here at the heart of it all, he says, remember, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit would abide. And so we're going to be talking about this verse as we move through this entire series, but I want to start by looking at just the first half of that verse, where Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Why Why is that the most important thing for his disciples to know? Why does Jesus emphasize that? What is his, uh, what is his reasons for impressing that upon their hearts? Well, to really understand that, I actually want to take you uh, back to uh, a story uh, from when I was in college. You see, I went to the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, and shortly before I went off to college, I kind of had this reawakening in my faith life. I had this moment as a junior in high school in which I realized that there was a lot more to this whole God and Jesus thing than I'd previously thought. And so I entered into college really wanting to grow in my faith. I ended up joining a, a campus uh, group called InterVarsity. I got plugged into a local non-denominational church that really did a great job preaching from, from the scriptures and from God's word. And it was as I was a part of that church that they had the these, these baptism weekends. And I remember, uh, I think it was about my junior year in college now, uh, that they, they were inviting people to come and be baptized. They said, you know, we've got a baptism weekend coming up. If you've never been baptized before and you want to be baptized, um, we would love to talk with you. Likewise, if you've, if you've uh, recommitted your life to Christ and you'd like to be baptized, we want you to go through our baptism class and, 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 and to be baptized. And so I started really wondering, is that the right next step for me to take? in my journey with Jesus? Should, should I go and be baptized? 
And as I kind of went back and forth uh, on this one, I, I realized I needed to talk with someone. And, and I wanted to uh, talk with somebody I respected. And there was, in particular, a professor that I very much looked up to. I looked up to him, uh, first and foremost, he was very brilliant. I mean, this guy had a very sharp mind. But he was my professor of Catholic thought. And uh, I, I looked up to him as well because he really knew theology very well. He also knew the scriptures incredibly well. And on top of that, I knew that he was a believer, that he was a Christian, that, that this wasn't just an academic exercise for him. And so as a Christian that I admired, I, I ended up uh, reaching out to him and asking if I could come in and talk to him during his office hours. And he said, sure. And so I dropped by his office and he said, so what do you want to talk about? And I said, well, I've got this kind of decision that I'm weighing. Um, my church is having a baptism weekend, and I'm wondering if, if that's the right next step for me to take. Um, I, I know I was baptized as a baby, but I really kind of recommitted my life to Jesus when I was a junior in high school. And I'm wondering, should I do this? And uh, being um, the wise and insightful person that he was, he sat back and he said, well, tell me a little bit about what led you to this decision. And so I started to just share my story. I told him, you know, um, I was baptized as a baby. I, I know that. I've, I've seen pictures and, and stuff like that. But my family didn't really ever go to church when I was growing up. In fact, uh, God really wasn't a part of our lives at all. My parents encouraged me to ask questions and to be inquisitive and to seek out the truth. But, but other than that, you know, faith and spirituality wasn't a, really, wasn't a big part of what we talked about or what we did as a family. Uh, however, when I was a freshman in high school, my parents did start taking my brother and I back to church, and honestly, it was insanely boring. I did not like sitting through the services. I didn't get a whole lot out of the preaching. Uh, I hope I'm doing a better job for you this morning. Um, but uh, I, I just, I didn't. I, it wasn't very engaging for me. But there was a, there, they did have a youth group that I got plugged into. And it was there in that youth group that there was a, there was a youth leader, and she was very patient with all my questions. She was very patient with my doubts and my concerns as I, as I asked tough questions and questioned faith and wondered if, if there really was a God. And she just patiently listened and point, kept pointing me back to Jesus and, and pointing me to resources to help me to find answers. And, and it was her who finally said, you know, Nick, I think that you need to read the Bible for yourself. Christianity is, is, is built on this book. I mean, this, this bears testimony to what we believe as people of faith. And, and you really need to weigh it for yourself and make your own decision. And so I ended up asking for a Bible for Christmas, my junior year in high school. And, and on Christmas Day, I remember opening that Bible. And that night, I sat down and I started reading. And I read from the Bible for about three hours a night. Until I was, you know, uh, a little over halfway through the month of January and I was already in the Gospels. And, and what really stood out to me as I read through the Bible is as I read through the Old Testament, I realized the Old Testament was a story of a bunch of losers and screw-ups that God loved anyways. Honestly, that's, that's what, I mean, if, you, if, if that shocks you, you haven't read the Old Testament recently. I mean, it's a story about people like Abraham and Moses and David. These people made horrible mistakes and, and people who at one time weren't even looking for God and yet God pursues them. And, and he loves them, and, and he calls them into a deeper relationship with himself. And then I got to the New Testament, and there was one guy who wasn't a screw-up and a loser, and that was Jesus, yet he still hung out with and loved screw-ups and losers and, and pursued them and invited them into a deeper relationship with God. And, and sitting there reading that, I, just, I, I, had, I felt like I had this light bulb moment. I realized Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. He is God, and, and that's when I... I committed my life to Jesus and started to follow him. And so here I am, I'm, I'm in college and I'm wanting to keep growing in my faith and, uh, and, and I'm wondering, should I get baptized? Is that really the next step, you know, to really confirm my faith and, and to bear witness to what it is I believe? He sat back 
I say, you know, Nick, it's a really interesting story that you tell. Tell this story of a God who pursues people even when they weren't looking for him. A God who pursues imperfect people and draws them back to himself. And as I look at your story, I see that that same God who called them has also been calling you. I mean, think about it for a second, Nick. You didn't choose which family you were born into, and yet you were born into a family where your parents brought you to the baptismal waters. They handed you over to God, and in those waters you received the gift of faith and the Holy Spirit of forgiveness and salvation. You didn't choose what kinds of parents you would have, and yet they were parents who encouraged you to ask tough questions and to seek out the truth. You didn't choose to start going to church. Your parents brought you against your will for crying out loud when you were a freshman so that you might be exposed to God's word. You didn't choose who was going to be in that youth group and yet God sent you this youth leader, the one who you, was the person you needed who was going to listen to your questions and point you to Jesus. And then think about this, Nick. God didn't choose, uh, you didn't choose where you were going to be born and yet God appointed that you would be born in a country and in a time where not only can you read the Bible freely, but you could read the Bible freely in your own language. You actually had a translation accessible to you. Not just one translation in your own language, but multiple translations to choose from. Nick, when I look at your story, what I see is that your life is covered in the fingerprints of God. You don't need to get rebaptized. Your baptism worked. And God has, been, God has been pursuing you. And the only reason, the only reason you started looking for him in high school was because he was looking for you first. You didn't choose him. He chose you. Through all the twists and turns, through all the questions and the doubts, even in the seasons when you were running from him, he was pursuing you. And what my professor was telling me as I sat there in his office, he's telling me something that the Bible is clear happens all the time. And that the way that God works is that he chases after people who aren't even looking for him. That he calls them back to himself. That even before we're aware of his presence, he is at work inviting us into a deeper relationship. I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 139. Listen to these words. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. See, the psalmist is giving glory to God because what the psalmist realized is that before he was ever born, God knew him fully. That before he was ever an idea, even in his parents' mind, God had seen all the days of his life, knew him intimately, created and formed and fashioned him in love. The psalmist is saying, is he's saying for all of us, every single one of us, we didn't choose God. God chose us. He chose to make us. He chose to form us in his image. And from the moment we're born he embarks on a mission of pursuing us. 
and calling us into a deeper relationship with himself. And what Jesus was telling to his disciples is he says, before you do anything, before you do anything for me, before you face anything, I want you to know one thing and one thing alone, and that is that I chose you. That's how precious you are to me. And the reason that was so important was because of what they would face. Jesus knew that, that they would face the same kinds of rejection that he faced. At one point, he even tells them, no student is greater than his master. If they're treating me this way, what are they going to do to you? He says that you have to take up your cross to follow me. He knows that the calling of a disciple is a high one with a great cost, but it all pales in comparison when you know the unfathomable love that he has for us. He says, when you know that, it can sustain you in hard seasons. So that when you go out and you make mistakes, which you will, face difficult seasons, which are coming, you can know that there's nothing that could ever separate you from my love because I chose you. I don't know where your journey in life has led you. I don't know if you feel like every decision you've made has been a mistake or if it's been only one detour after another. I don't know what messages you were told growing up, if you were told that you were a mistake and an accident. The message from Jesus for you today is that in God's eyes, you are precious. And that there is nowhere that you've gone in your life that he hasn't gone with you, even if you haven't seen it yet. His promise is that he will be with us the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. That he will carry and sustain us through all of life's seasons. And that nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from his presence. What the psalmist tells us, again in Psalm 139, says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God's promise is that there is nothing in your past that can keep you from his love. There's nothing in your future that will ever separate you from his presence. That even in the depths he is there, walking with us, holding us, preserving and carrying us. And that's the message Jesus says we need to allow to sink deep into our hearts. The reason he wanted his disciples to know that he chose them is so that they would know the depth of his love, a love that truly would be able to sustain them no matter what. And if anybody is sitting here this morning and doubting God's love, wondering, does God's love really go that far for me? You need to only look to Jesus to get your answer. Because in Jesus, the words of the psalmist become true. He comes down from the highest of heights into the deepest of depths. He, enters the, he exits the light of heaven to enter into the darkness of our world. He walked with us. He bore our pains and our sufferings upon his shoulders. He healed the sick, bound up the brokenhearted, welcomed in the outcast, 
and ultimately went and laid down his life for his people that they might live. It was Jesus who, as they drove nails into his hands, said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It was Jesus who, as he hung between heaven and earth, heard the cry of the thief for mercy and looked at this robber and said, Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. That's how far his love was willing to go to rescue us. But more than that, it went out the other side of the tomb. On that first Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead to show us that not even death, not even death will be able to separate us from the love of God that we have in him. Yes, we are called to go and bear fruit, fruit that will abide. We'll talk about that as we move through the rest of this series, but it begins here now knowing that we are chosen in God. We are chosen in Jesus. That's how precious we are to him. And it's out of the overflow of that love comes everything else. You know, this morning, there may be some of you who you needed to be reminded of that. It's been a year of detours and darkness. It's been a year of hard valleys and hard walking. And the message for you this Lenten season as we move toward Easter is that Jesus is still with you. His right hand upholds you. You will never be separated from his presence. There may be others of you this morning you're hearing this idea that God chose you first for the first time. You're realizing that though you weren't aware of it, your life is covered in his fingerprints. And the only reason that you're sitting here now is because he brought you to this moment. So that you would know of his love. And the invitation for you this morning is to just accept his invitation. He brought you to this place because he wants you to know him. He knows you, and his deepest desire is that you would know the love that surpasses all understanding, the peace that surpasses all understanding, that you would understand what, are, what is the height and depth and breadth of the love of God in Christ Jesus for you. And if that's you, I want to talk to you after this service. I'd like to pray for you and help you continue in your journey with Jesus, the journey that brought you here now the journey that he desires to continue to carry you in, into the future. But for all of us, as we begin this series this morning, I want us to begin it well, remembering that we are chosen by God in Christ, and it's out of the overflow of that love that comes everything else. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we give you thanks that we don't have to earn your love that we don't have to perform to gain your attention, that we don't have to seek you out as though you are hidden, but rather from before we were born, you knew us fully and you chose us to be your own. That from the moment we drew breath, you've been pursuing us and calling us back to yourself. And Lord, I pray that that knowledge and that love would overflow in our hearts and our minds that we would see that as the bedrock of our lives, knowing that we are precious in your sight, that we are claimed by you. And Lord, I pray that that love would indeed transform how we live, that it would overflow into bearing fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that will bless others, but it begins here by abiding in this one truth, 
that you chose us, not the other way around. May that be our source of hope, our source of comfort, our source of love. And I pray that each and every day we would come to know the height and the depth and the breadth of the love that you have for us. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whose name we say, Amen.